Welcome everyone to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and this is our TV News Podcast Edition, where we work through pilots and renewals and cancellations and shows in development and <laughs> and lots of things. I'm just there's a lot of tabs. There's a lot of tabs open on my screen right now. Uh oh dear. So, so brace yourself. Uh a lot of news. A lot of news. Uh, and I was skipping things when I was when I was doing this week's stuff. Uh, thinking, ah, it's already too much. These some of these little things can slip by the wayside. But uh, yes, so without further ado, let's just get into it. A lot of things. I got some headline things. Uh, first of all, Brooklyn Nine Nine is coming to an end. It's going to end with its upcoming eighth season. Although upcoming, it maybe implies sooner than it actually is because it's not actually scheduled uh, for this coming season that we're in. It's at the at least going to be fall 2021, possibly oh, okay. uh, early 2022 by the time we actually get this. Do you know, when I saw this news, because I just saw the headline, mm-hmm. I assumed upcoming, you know, I, I thought, oh, it's coming in the next month or so. No, because remember, they scrapped all the scripts. Uh, they did, they did, but I just figured yeah. they'd been working and, you know, they could start churning them out soon. I, I, I Clearly I'm wrong. So they're going to have one 10-episode final season, and 10 does feel quite small for a, a sitcom show like this, but... I'm glad that they're getting an ending. It is small, because I remember them saying it was shorter, because I think the recent seasons have been 13, so this is shorter still. Uh, I want to say there was actually more like 16. I mean, I don't know what the last one was, but the one before that, I think it started off as 13, but it got extended to like 16, I think, uh, by the time it was done. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's just getting a final season. They're getting a chance to say goodbye to these characters and do something to send them all off. Um, But hey... uh, you know, it's still it's it's going to be three more seasons than it would have got had it been cancelled when Fox just done it suddenly. So, hey, yeah. so obsessed because it's one of the better things comedy wise that are on uh, in it the last few years. So it's not bad. No. Uh, moving on, though, other headline stuff. We got big casting news for The Last of Us TV show, uh, mm-hmm. which is yeah. coming from HBO. Uh, Pedro Pascal. Uh, despite the fact that there was some really last-minute rumours of uh, Mahershala Ali getting the role, uh, Pedro Pascal has been cast as Joel in The Last of Us. Uh, interesting casting. Not necessarily the, one of the first names I might have jumped to, but, you know. I don't know. His his entire role on The Mandalorian is reluctant father figure. <laughs> they saw that and went, yeah, that'll do. Uh, I really hope they're not basing their casting decisions based on anything Star Wars, quite frankly. Uh, really? Less of that, the better. Yes. Plus, you can't even see his face. He could be horrible under that mask. You don't even know. He has some. He has a a a handful of scenes in the in the second season without the mask on, that are absolutely phenomenal acting from his part. Oh well, laddie da. Uh, but yes, yeah, so he's he's been cast as Joel. And alternatively, uh, along the same lines here, we have a, a casting for, for Ellie. Uh, Bella Ramsey, who is from Game of Thrones, is going to play Ellie. So, Yes, she played, uh, I think, Leanna Mormont. Um, a pretty fan-favorite character. She was, you know, very commanding in the scenes. Um, you know, she, she had a great presence. Uh, so I think this is actually a really good casting choice. I'll take your word for it because I I don't know her at all. 
Uh, I you know I, I await this HBO show with trepidation because I don't necessarily think there should just be an adaptation of The Last of Us because it's perfect. Uh, yeah, I've been <laughs> saying that for a while. Um, so but, I mean, j- just for an overview of what she was in Game of Thrones is you know she was basically uh, she inherited her house. She you know she was the 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 leader of her house and was you know as a child still standing up to all the you know the the lords and the kings and such and you know. Coming up with you know a lot of ferocity uh, in that, um, so it, it, you can see where they've 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 seen this and gone yeah that works fairly. What house was that? Hufflepuff. Mormont. Don't remember that one, but I'm not, I don't really know. Uh, uh, Game of the Rings they, they were, as well as they, you they do. Were, they were the bear house. Take your word for it. Take your word. I'll, t- I'll take a word for it. Uh, I-, I love that. I could have said anything there, and you'd have no idea. Is that the house Gandalf was in? Yes. Yeah, oh. yeah. Long time ago. Just, just making sure. Uh, so that's that. Here's something you may care about. Uh, there's a Constantine reboot in the works of HBO Max with J.J. Abr- Abrams' uh, Bad Robot producing, uh, with Guy Bolton set as the writer. Uh, possibly showrunner. Maybe they're just phrasing it as writer here in this article for some reason. Mm. Um, but yeah, so obviously Constantine had a one-season TV show on NBC. That version of the character then popped up in some of the CW shows uh, over the last couple of years. And I believe a lot of animated work as well uh, Matt Ryan has been doing as Constantine in, in the various DC films. But this would be a completely new version, a completely separate, a completely different actor. Maybe an actual Scouser. If I was a betting person, and I'm not, I don't gamble. But if I was, I would bet that it isn't. I would also bet that it's not, because no one wants to hear that. <laughs> I, you'll be lucky if he's still English, quite frankly. <laughs> well, I mean, the last one wasn't. That's, that's, that's true, yeah, the last one was Welsh. Uh, yeah. But he, he tried to pass for English, I suppose, is what I'm saying. He did, he did. The next one will be Australian. Not, not, not very well, though. The next one will be Australian. And they'll think, ah, no, no one will notice. They'll be fine. Do you know what? That would almost be, like, better in some ways, because you, you, it's so far removed that I can just be like, no, it's different. Whereas you've got the you know, the, the Welshman trying to do the English thing, but definitely not Liverpudlian. And I'm like, it was distracting. Even though I actually quite like that version of the character. I think he, I think he generally speaking, is, is quite good. Um, just, yeah, yeah, distracting accent. I'm not a big fan of the character. Also, did you say Liverpudlian? Yes. Puddlian? Is that, is that what they say? Liverpudlian, yes. Not just Liverpillian? Or... No, no, Puddlian. Puddlian, why Puddlian? I don't know. They're stupid. Am I, I'm adding I will, this to the I list will, of... I'm I will this... look up the etymology of it and come back to you. <laughs> I'm adding this to the list of why Liverpool is stupid, alright? I'm adding to <laughs> Puddlian. I can't believe you never heard this before. You, I think you'll be surprised how little I talk to other people about people from Liverpool. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean... Uh, but yes, so... Uh, it's HBO Max, so presumably it means it could be a bit more uh, mature in terms of its rating, and therefore maybe, you know, not have to hide the fact that he smokes, <laughs> for example. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of the character, though, so I, I really have no stake in this whatsoever despite the fact that typically when there's a dc comics thing i'm usually very much interested this is one of the few things from dc comics that i'm just like eh whatever 
I, I would like a version where he's actually just a scumbag and really shitty uh, and not just actively like, oh, he's the hero, really. Uh, which is kind of what we've we've had for a while now. But just, I, I want the selfish man uh, take on it. Again, if it was a betting man, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would say probably not, but uh, we'll see. So that's yeah. uh, that is a thing. Uh, and speaking of HBO, apparently HBO are hopeful that the writers of Lovecraft Country will uh, be back to write a season two. So nothing's actually confirmed, nothing's said, but HBO want a season two. And they said this about Watchmen, and that went nowhere, but I think H- H- HBO might be like, well, we, we lost Watchmen, that, that one got away. We're, we're not letting this one go. There's a big difference as well, though, where I think Watchmen, you know, they went into it, the, the creators, I mean, clearly mm. with, no, this is a one-season story. We don't, we don't want to tell anymore. Whereas I think Lovecraft Country, definitely the writers left this in a place where, no, we've got more to say if we want to. Yeah. Uh, so apparently writers are together, sort of breaking what a season two could be. But season two has not officially been ordered. Let's make that clear. There's no season two order as of yet. But I, I, essentially, I think they're pitching what season two would be before they greenlight it. Do you think HBO maybe learned some of their lessons from like True Detective, where they they just they just greenlit a second season based on the name? You know, they didn't even yeah. Yeah, and then worried about the pitch later. Maybe they did learn the lesson. Um. Which is, which is funny, because I don't even know if this necessarily needs a pitch, per se, in the sense that I could just... Okay, it's the ongoing adventures of these characters who fight monsters. That, I mean, that's... Yeah, that would be enough for us, but I, I can yeah. see why, you know, the executives... So we want we want a game plan here. Yeah, which, I mean, I suppose is commendable in a lot of ways. Uh, so hopefully it happens, because it's one of the best shows of, of last year, and mm-hmm. definitely one of the best new shows of last year. So that's Lovecraft Country, possible season two. Uh, some renewals, cancellations here. Fate, the Wink Saga, has been renewed for season two on Netflix. I am so shocked because you started saying that, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is an easy cancellation," and then you 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 completely swerved me. Yes, uh, I only even heard of this because someone mentioned it to me on a stream, I think, and I was like, "What the <laughs> hell's the Wink?" Shocked, you know what this is? The Wink Saga. This I, is the I mean, I know it's on from... Netflix. I don't know anything about it. I know it's a this fantasy the... thing. I think this is the one adapted from the the animated show, right? Uh, I believe that was quite a well, I think quite a while, at least ten years ago, maybe. Uh, but speaking of animated shows, uh, HBO Max have given an early season two renewal to the Gremlins animated prequel show. I forgot this was even going to be a thing. If I'm completely honest, well, it's getting a season two, so there you go. Yeah, HBO Max have so much that we, you know that, that is in the works, but we've seen so little that you know I kind of forget that they have actual plans. Yeah, well, it's not even premiered yet, which is, I mean, that's why it's early, but it's uh, Gremlins, The Secrets of the Mogwai. Uh, It's currently in production, and it includes Isaac Wang, Ming-Na Wen from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., B.D. Wong from uh, Mr. Robot, Jurassic Park, uh, and a bunch of others. So, yeah, uh, that is coming, but it's got a season two order already. Uh, And other renewal here, which this is is one that I I keep being surprised uh, still exists, but uh, Search Party, has been renewed for season five by HBO Max. Now, this was not originally HBO Max, obviously. This was, I think it was just Freeform when it started. Mm, and the only reason why we didn't check it out at the time is because it aired its entire first season in a week, and it was really hard to get to, because I think we were busy at the time. Uh, obviously, its format's changed and altered as it's went along, but it has built a fan base, and it's getting a fifth season on HBO Max. So, people it's be su- happy. It's surprising, but, mm. I mean, maybe it's relatively cheap for them to produce, and it's worth it. 
Yeah, that's critically acclaimed, and sometimes that makes all the difference. Yeah. So that is cool. Uh, here's a cancellation that I was going to really upset you. This is going to break your heart. Mm-hmm. NCIS New Orleans is coming to an end uh, with its currently ongoing season seven, albeit its final season. Um, They're fine. The main show is still going. Well, not only that, these first spin-offs still going as well. Uh, so, I mean, technically, NCIS itself is a spin-off of Jag, right? So, I mean, forgetting that part, but yes, NCIS the original is still going, but NCIS Los Angeles, starring LL Cool G and Chris O'Donnell, is actually currently in its twelfth season, and that's still ongoing. So, uh, this is going swimmingly. <laughs> and to yeah. be fair, what's so funny about this is that you know NCIS New Orleans, starring Scott Bakula. Uh, has done pretty well. It's been a solid performer, but it's just not up to the standards of the other two, so therefore it's ending. But, like, for most shows, seven seasons is a happy run. It's had 155 episodes by the right. time it's done. But for one of these CBS shows, that feels like it's being lowballed. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm happy Scott Bakula got a steady paycheck for seven years, all right? That's... <laughs> he's he's kind of one of those guys where he'll find another job, no problem. Oh, he will, he will. He's a dependable character, man. He'll, uh... Exactly. You'll get some work. Uh, and then, yes, next up, we got a premiere date for a new Apple uh, Apple TV Plus show. Uh, the Mosquito Coast, which has actually already been made into a movie uh, in 1986. Uh, this, this version is going to star Justin Theroux, though. Um, and it was actually his uncle who wrote the original uh, author, or wrote the original, it was the author of the original material, I mean. The original book. A little bit of nepotism going on here, then? Uh, Paul Thoreau was the was the author. Uh, so, yeah, Justin Thoreau is the lead role of Ali Fox. Uh, the original starred Harrison Ford as a genius madman. Do you know what's amazing? I love Peter Weir, and I'm amazed that I didn't really know about this movie starring Harrison Ford, directed by I, Peter Weir. I, I'm like, you, you're telling me these things, and I'm like, <laughs> I've never heard of this movie. Yeah, The Mosquito Coast. Uh, Harrison Ford is a genius madman with a f- uh, his family in Central America, where he looks to build a utopia with his ice machine while rejecting their uh, their U.S. culture of consumerism. Uh, the, the new version's got a bit of a, a different take on it. Uh, I can I can see how that plays really well in the eighties, though. Yeah, he's on the run from the U.S. government, uprooting his family and fleeing to Mexico. Uh, yeah. He's still an inventor, though. Uh, he's still obsessed. And they, It sounds like they may be scaling back on the, the anti-consumerism angle. Possibly. Maybe shifting it to more of a maybe a climate change thing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. could be. Uh, there is actually a trailer for this, which I didn't make you watch. Uh, oh, thanks. Mainly because I forgot about it. But <laughs> um, There's a trailer there. Uh, <laughs> Did you anyway, watch it? I didn't watch it, no. Uh, oh. But the, the first two episodes are going to premiere on April 30th, uh, and then each episode after that will be every Friday. So, two episodes on away it. yet, then. Yeah. So, two episodes on April 30th, and then one a week after that. So, yeah. Uh, so, I love how it's got a quote here from Thoreau. It says, I have a long history with the novel uh, that I read. I read it as a kid. I'm like, well, yeah, your uncle wrote <laughs> your, your parents probably came in and said, hey, your uncle wrote this book. <laughs> be nice, be a, good, be a good nephew and read your uncle's book. <laughs> it's probably just copies lying around the house. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there probably was. Hell, I mean, there's probably a manuscript lying around the house. It wasn't even the book. It was just a stack of paper with the book in it quite, before it was published. Possibly, yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, that's the Mosquito Coast starring Justin Thoreau. Uh, it's funny you brought up True Detective a little bit ago because HBO is in talks with new writers to bring back True Detective for a fourth season. 
Mm, well, uh, new writers is promising. Yeah, the show, which was created and written by Nick Pizzolatto, ran for three seasons between 2014 and 2019. <laughs> that's a long, that's a long time for three seasons. Um, but yes, so yeah, they're looking for for new writers. I think it's interesting that they're saying, you know what, this still has name value even after season two, which basically nuked the the the, the credibility. Season three, which seemed to be okay, but no one really talked about that much, really, from from what I gathered. It, it, I don't think people hated it to quite the same extent. They just kind of came and went. I, yeah. Didn't yeah. have much impact. But I suppose the beauty of this is, though, is because each season is its own story, you can market a new true detective without, you know, ever having to suggest that you have to watch two and three to care or catch yeah, up. You, or... you can just keep trying. Yeah. Uh, but new writers, I think it's a good tact. Because even season mm. one, which was the, the season with all the acclaim, I think the rating was pretty spotty in places. The direction and the acting is what made that what it was. It covered up the inconsistencies, shall we say, in the writing. Yeah. So, but that is something that is uh, happening. So we may yet have more True Detective to check out at some point. All right. Uh, okay, so before we go out the, the shows, like all the, all the new shows and development, we should probably talk about all the controversial stuff for the last couple of weeks because... There's been a surprising amount of it. Uh, there has? Well, yeah, you got the Whedon stuff, for a start. Sure. Right? Uh, Carano from Mandalorian. That's been the oh, last yeah, couple of weeks. Was... Do you know what? It's been such a long t- couple of weeks yeah. that I thought that was like a month ago. And even st- a little less relevant to this show, although by far the actual most extreme of the, the examples, Marlon Manson in the last couple of weeks. Yes. Uh, it's slightly relevant still because the, an episode of Creep Show uh, on Shudder was going to uh, revolve around them or star him or something and that's been pulled completely so they're just not doing it now uh so that's the, that's the tv connection uh but yeah pretty vile stuff uh from his end uh various things here carano which i've not looked into too much she, she posted some anti-semitic stuff i think she basically compared uh being a republican today to being a jew uh in nazi germany uh, and the way the Society is sicked on them, essentially. That's a bold it, move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and unsurprisingly, Disney dropped her. Um, although well, it, it, it sounds honestly, like they were going to anyway. It sounds like they had already kind of had. It was just kind of unspoken because she'd already had some controversial posts uh, a few months ago, uh, which is why she wasn't really in the marketing for the second season of Mandalorian. So yes. it seemed like they would already kind of made the choice not to continue her character, but this just kind of like brought it out in the open that we have to it's, say something or whatever. Because uh, the the actual Disney statement, I believe, said that she does not currently work for us and we have no plans in the future. So which which definitely implies it had already happened. Um, because there were, uh, I mean, rumors from pretty well connected sources that I'm inclined to believe that. Um, they actually had a show that she was going to star in uh, to be announced at the uh, you know the, the 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 Disney conference where Which they announced was, everything. Yes, and that was early December. And yeah, I read about this too. The it seems that it was pulled before that conference. So the decision not to continue with her character going forward, and and obviously by proxy her own damn show, uh, came yeah, before that it's, event. It's possible that maybe they thought they could get away with just having her continue in the same smallish role that she's been in, like, season three. Mm. Um, but not expand upon it. But now it's it's clear that, no, she's gone. Yeah. Um, so, that's that. Um, she's apparently did her own movie now with someone. Uh, 
Shapiro, uh, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they've got Kevin Sorbo online to co-star. Uh, maybe Dean Kane will make an appearance. Just you know, the whole squad. Uh, <laughs> so, so that that that's that stuff. Uh, we have to mention the Whedon stuff, even though I don't really particularly want to talk about it. But it'd be weird if it wasn't addressed at all, given mm. how often some of his works brought up. Um, which is basically just. Charisma Carpenter put a post on Twitter talking about her experience, uh, particularly at the end of her, her tenure on Angel. And what was funny about this is that none of it was particularly new. Some details were new, and certainly the, the actual conversation she's talked about was a bit more explicit than what had been known. But it was kind of like a unconfirmed but generally accepted thing that they, they got pretty ha- hateful towards each other at the end of her time on Angel because she got pregnant. That, that was always kind of an, an unknown thing. To some extent, yes, we'd we'd kind of known for I don't know at least ten or fifteen years now. Yeah, she she was kind of ran out due to her pregnancy, and it was always um, kind of unpleasant. It was there was never like a nice thing, but it was kind of an unpleasant thing, just kind of in the middle of everything else, and it was whatever. Um, that spoke more about how he actually spoke to her, how he treated her, how he kind of ignored her when she tried to get in touch to like actually you know inform him <laughs> and the people who were running the show that she was in fact pregnant. Um, and this led to other cast members coming out in support of her, talking about how occasionally the, the set was toxic, um, how certain people were a bit more mistreated than others. Um, it definitely sounds like it was a bit cliquey, where he had his favourites who never had a problem, and then there was other people who they took a disliking to, who just seemed to be miserable for their, their entire there time was, there. Uh, uh, I'm completely forgetting the actress's name. She played uh, the, the sister on Buffy. Uh, Dawn, yeah. Michelle Trachtenberg. Thank you. Um, she kind of put out a thing uh and basically said that he wasn't allowed to be alone with her uh and you know didn't treat her well at all and she was like an actual teenager at the time right so that's very concerning yeah um that makes you think of a lot of dark things although going with everything else that's been said until someone says otherwise that sounds more like he's just such a prick that he yeah, was I making a, it... a teenager cry <laughs> and like just awful things he may have said to her yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, yeah. I'm sure. As far as we know, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's that's what it was. But that's still like not great. When it's at that point again, where it's about the the protection of them, where this was known enough that you had to protect your you know your your actresses from him. That at that point, something should have been done to fix the problem rather than just well, just you know, keep him away. Yeah, it sounds like someone with. Uh... A very cruel sense of humor, because uh, I, I think I think the description that I'd, I'd seen floating around from some of the actors was just kind of casually cruel. That was kind of how they described them as casually cruel. Hmm. Um, and it sounds like someone who got power, who was never sort of challenged on it, uh, which just led to it being worse and kind of seemingly, you know, propelled. Because a lot of different actors spoke out in support of Charisma and some of the other people who who had said something happened to them. Some of whom had experienced some similar things on their own. Some of whom hadn't said I'd never experienced anything, but I support anyone who has uh you know just it was a general broad spec not everyone from those shows has spoken but a lot of them have now uh i um <laughs> my favorite is the excuse of um the, the uh xander uh the other actor again who's never again who's got his own whole problems over the years um but his no comment and and i i, I don't want to quote directly but it was because my penis is uh is paralyzed uh, that was the that was the thing, because he has to have some sort of surgery um, coming up, 
And he was like, right now, I, I, I'm not in a space to talk about this, but my penis is paralyzed, so no comment. It's like, that is the weirdest headline I've ever read. I didn't see that one. I'm, I'll be honest, it, t- it took me a while to get exactly what you were trying to say he was saying there. Uh, yeah, but... yeah, no, that's like that's how weird it is that it doesn't quite go in at first. You have to, I had to read the headline like three times. Well, but if, I it, at right? first, I thought the paralyzed penis was something to do with his, his experience, but then I was like, no, he's just he's going for an operation, and his penis is the paralyzed penis is unrelated to the events of which he's not commenting. It is on. that was his excuse to, right, to okay. say no comment. Because <laughs> that's a weird thing to say, right? <laughs> Because he said he went on to say it was something to do with it, like some spinal operation, and then he went. But right now, my penis and anus are just completely paralyzed, and I'm like, just say, just say you're having a spinal operation. It's because like, we'll say that Michelle Gellers was kind of similar. She, she put out a statement, uh, and then, but it said basically, but I'm not really going to comment on much because I'm trying to raise my family during a pandemic, and like you know, leave me alone. It was you know, it was it was it was a nice enough like statement on that made it clear what she was thinking, but. Like, I've got a pandemic, as everyone does, but I'm trying to raise my family. I don't want to be in the public eye, leave me alone. Kind it it of kind of reminded me of, um, like, but, in terms of just, you know, news stories for people. Yeah, but, no, but in con- like that, Knightley. Yeah, but in contrast, though, then Nicholas Brennan essentially did the same thing. Says, I'm not going to talk about it right now, but instead of there's a pandemic going on and I want to be at the public eye or I've got my own things going on, he says, my penis is paralyzed. <laughs> I really want to get the quote here, just to just to make sure that I'm I'm not... <laughs> you know, <laughs> making this up uh, <laughs> because I because yes, this is this is a, a headline. Uh, Buffy star Nicholas Brennan won't comment on Joss Whedon allegations until he gets surgery for his paralyzed anus and penis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I think uh, part of the story was going to make me laugh, but thank you, Nicholas Brendan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm looking at his actual quote, um, just so this isn't the headline out of context, because I'm not speaking on Joss. It's, a, it's very personal for me, so I'll speak on that when I'm ready to speak. You know, he and I had a relationship. Um, I want to give it the proper respect and time it deserves, uh, not nauseous and hung up and feeling like I got a shit, because I, uh, I feel like I got a shit at all times with my butt stuff. <laughs> If you're late, I had an injury, so I always feel like I got a shit. My anus is kind of paralyzed, and so is my penis, which is weird. Like, I gotta sit down to piss because I don't know if I'm pissing or shitting. It's crazy. Good times is what I say. I'm gonna go out and lump here and say Nicholas Brendan, right at this moment, doesn't it doesn't currently have on uh, staff a publicist. I'm just going to go out there and assume that that would sound himself. Probably, probably on pain medication. Uh. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I know he's um a problematic individual uh, in his own right, but oh boy, this like that that is not even a headline out of context. That is just yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's got alcohol problems and he's he's been arrested for drunk and disorderly and things of that nature. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so yes, all right. So I just. <laughs> The whole, the whole thing's unfortunate. It's a shame to hear all these these statements. Uh, he doesn't seem like a very pleasant person uh, to be working with. Um, you know, uh, I imagine that'll probably... And, uh, up in, for, and for a long time in the, the, the film industry, and in the TV industry, and I mean, this is probably true in other industries too, but we hear about it more in the film and TV industry. 
uh, is that the idea of kind of dickhead bosses uh, is something where young people are afraid, young actors specifically, uh, are afraid to appear to be difficult and speak up about things because even if they, even if the person isn't intentionally going to, you know, blacklist them per se, right? Because I don't necessarily think everyone who gets blacklisted in Hollywood is necessarily act- actively blacklisted. Some people definitely do it. They do. But mm. even if they say to a few other people who are at the producer level, oh, this actor was difficult. All of a sudden, it just it spreads takes. around. And they're, they're effectively blacklisted, even if it wasn't intentionally what the person was trying to do maliciously. Uh, so because of that, that aura, because of that aura around all these sort of productions, um, young actors, young crew are all terrified of, of getting that kind of stigma. So they, they sort of swallow the pride and put up with things that they shouldn't put up with. And that seems to be a case where, especially on Buffy, uh, maybe it was less, because it seems like most of this was from Buffy rather than Angel or Firefly. And I wonder if the reason for that is because the cast typically on those shows was older. And I wonder if, because the Buffy cast was all playing teenagers, so they were largely younger. And that's why most of the stories are coming from that show. Uh, it's, versus it's the other ones. Yeah. Uh, um, of course, this excludes Chris McCoventer herself, which a lot of these issues were yeah. from her time on Angel. Yes, but a lot of the other ones seem to be from Buffy, so I'm just wondering if that's like that's partially why. Yeah, I believe. Uh, you know, um, I don't know if it was just in if she's spoken about it right now, but Emma Caulfield has definitely spoken up about it in the mm. past as well, right? Yeah, she has to be. Uh, I mean, spoilers here <laughs> for 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 late Buffy, just in case you you care uh but emma caulfield asked to be killed off in the finale because just because she didn't want to be asked later to be on a spinoff or anything in case there was one uh mm. which is, is frustrating as a fan of that show because the her, her death in the final episode does just kind of feel random and out of nowhere it's like one of the weirdest weakest things of that finale is that she's just suddenly killed off for no reason but yeah yeah whatever but if it is because she just didn't want to work with them again which yeah. it sounds like it kind of is then i mean i get it yeah, uh, so the whole thing's a bit of a mess, and here we are. So, uh, yes. But I knew everyone would be like, why didn't you talk about it? Why didn't you talk about it? So, I made a point of talking about it. Shows. Actually, I'll, th- I'll thank Patreon producers first, actually, before we go to the shows. Uh, thank you very much to our Patreon producers, Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordnow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are Patreon producers for the month, meaning they are $20 or more, on patreon.com slash TV, where you can go and support us for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your troubles and help keep all the content coming. You can also support us by simply hitting the like button or the subscribe button or commenting down below. All those little things help the YouTube algorithm, uh, so all that is good. Or uh, even leave us a, a review and a, a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice uh, if you listen to the audio version. So, yes, thank you, Kately. Yeah as Connor holds in a hiccup very badly at the end of my little... Oh, we've been over this. You, you can have me holding them in badly, or you can have me just letting them out, and it'll be way worse. The, 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 there is no other option. All right. All right. Let's get into the shows. ABC, ABC, ABC is giving a pilot order to a family comedy... Uh, called Bucktown, which comes from the people who are currently making uh, the Connors, the Roseanne, the Roseanne-less oh, yes. Roseanne show. <laughs> Just to, uh, so, yes, uh, here we are. Da, 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 da. Right. 
project has been in the works for various stages for about five years. I guess the success of the Connors is what's finally given them a, a chance to put this, this forward. Must be. Uh, the show follows Amy, who after being dumped by her boyfriend and kicked out of her apartment on the eve of a big promotion, finds refuge at her mum's house in the blue-collar neighbourhood where she grew up. Amy reconnects with her teenage niece, living there due to her sister's latest rehab stint, and resolves to stay when she realises that her mum and niece aren't quite equipped to go out alone. So it's a, it's a family comedy. It's a family comedy, yeah. <laughs> family comedy, uh, which seems to be their bread and butter, so fair enough. Uh, if it works for them. Yep. Uh, sticking with ABC, they've given a pilot order to Quinta Brunson's workplace comedy, Harry Elementary. Uh, this is, as you may imagine, set at a school. Uh, I'm shocked. Yes. Uh, it follows a group of teachers brought together in one of the worst public schools in the country simply because they love teaching. They will rely on one another to make it through the day and find a way to counteract the school district's bullshit attitude towards the educate, educating children. Uh, the bullshit is slightly censored, but it is there. You, 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 you powered through it for us. What? <laughs> you powered through it for us, you know, with the, the censoring. Yes, I'm, I'm willing to say bullshit. I'm, I'm known for it, in fact. Uh, Are you? Yes. Anyway. I mean, it, it's just, this is just a workplace comedy, isn't it? Let's be honest. Ah, it's a workplace comedy. Uh, Clue, otherwise known as Cluedo, uh, animated series based on the board game, is in the works uh, at Fox. Uh, it will be called Clue, though. I do wonder, though, if they do broadcast it in other parts of the world, if they'll change it to Cluedo, because that's the brand they're using. Or if they're just going to keep it called Clue. Hmm, it's a good question. Because the movie never did that, as far as I know. But it's always been Clue, as far as I've seen. To, to my knowledge, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then again, we weren't around for the original theatre release, so, I mean, maybe it was branded as Cluedo at the time, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, it's Fox animated animated series. Uh, no details about the premise necessarily, but you have to imagine there's going to be some murders and some mystery. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd be very very surprised if there wasn't. Yeah, and I can I can see you having the six you know the six characters as animated characters who always end up somewhere. But I imagine that every episode would have to have at least a few guest stars, so you don't know which one of the guest stars is uh, the killer. Because otherwise, mm. other, otherwise you'd always know who it is because it's always that one extra character. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, uh, or seven characters. Did I say six? I think it's seven. Anyway, I don't besides, know how many there are. Besides the point. Yes. Uh, honestly, such a fun idea. As far as like, there's there's many board games where they say we're going to turn this into a show or a movie, and I'm like, why? Clues the one that I look at and go, you know what? No, I see I see that as a cartoon. <laughs> I could see that as a as a as a story yeah it's it's no different from them saying we're going to adapt an agatha christie novel yeah exactly <laughs> really. yeah it's the, the, just they have more free reign essentially boom that's done all right netflix has got the rights to brian jock's entire series uh, of red wall books and is plotting animated feature films and tv series based on the animal adventure franchise now admittedly i'm just, i'm not sure because of the way it's phrased if the TV is also animated, or if it's just the movie that they're planning that's animated. The, the mm. phrasing was just animated feature film and TV series. I would assume 
animate TV series. I assume animated mostly just based because it's on animals, like an animal premise, rather than because of the phrasing. But well, that and also they didn't then specify live yes. action. So I'm, I'm, you know, if they didn't break it up, I would just assume that it stands. Yeah. Uh, it's the first time that the film rights to the entire series of books have been held by one company, and Netflix is already set to work adapting the stories, uh, saying Patrick McHale to write the feature, uh, and they're also working on a TV series uh, based on the character of Martin the Warrior. So it sounds like the TV show is going to be kind of a, one of the characters getting their own spotlight, uh, whereas mm. the, the movie will be the actual adaptation of the, I guess, the main books, uh, you would sure. assume. So, Okay. Obviously not necessarily for us. We don't really do animated kids talking animal things, but... No, and I'll be honest, I have no idea what this is. No, never heard of it. Yeah, I've never heard of it either. Uh, so, fair play. Uh, I'll be saying about this. Criminal Minds Revival in early works at uh, Paramount Plus. I'll be honest, I barely realised it had finished. <laughs> Criminal Minds, which uh, was CBS originally. It's so funny that NCIS... Uh, CSI and Criminal Minds are all the same network. It's actually insane because they all have like such long seasons. Most of them have spinoffs. It's, it's most maddening. of them got well into the the upper teens. You know, yeah, this was fifteen seasons. Uh, this one, uh, sure. it ran from two thousand five to twenty twenty. So it ended recently. <laughs> that, okay, I don't feel so bad about thinking yeah. it might still be going. It ended recently. Is Aisha Tyler in this photo? Was she on that show? She was in the last couple of seasons, yeah. Oh, was she? Okay. I, I, I do remember hearing about that. It's funny, actually. I think Nicholas Brendan may have been on Criminal Minds at one point. Uh, and the only reason why I know that is because I think when I was flipping, flipping through the channels once, I saw him on a show and I was like, oh, what's this? And Were I think trying was... to solve the mystery of his paralyzed penis? <laughs> I hope she was worth it. I can't believe it. you didn't see that. I hope she was worth it, whoever she was. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I hope she was worth it. <laughs> Uh, so yes, this actually annoys me more than they're doing a revival when it, it only just it's, finished it's like, in the last like six months. Just call it season sixteen and carry on. <laughs> but it's going to be Paramount Plus though, so they're at least saying this is on this service. This is not going to be a network show anymore. Maybe that means it will be slightly more mature. Maybe they can It'll tackle. Feel exactly the same. What they Probably. want is to try and get some of their audience from CBS to come and sign up for the service. I mean, that's the truth. But maybe they'll, but they, they, they can be riskier. So if they ever had to hold back before, they don't have to as much now. <laughs> they don't have to, no. I'm, so I'm saying that this, they may get grizzler with the killings and the bodies. They may be like, here's a corpse. And they'll just, you'll see it. You'll see the dead corpse with a dead penis. <laughs> just sitting there. <laughs> someone, someone did a blood eagle. <laughs> Look, this is the theme of the episode. is paralyzed penis, dead penis. It's, it's kind of a version of a paralyzed penis in some ways. Uh, lifeless. I mean, <laughs> if rigor mortis is set in, uh, that's pretty paralyzed. <laughs> so there you go. We're not done with shows that you're going to love, uh, but we'll save them for the end when we get to the real CBS section. J.J. Uh, uh... uh, Abrams has got an original show that's been ordered by HBO Max. It's a, a thriller series. It's called Subject to Change. The title's not Subject to Change. The title of the show is Subject to Change. Just to make that clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it comes with one of the writers from C, which is not very encouraging. I have to, have to admit, Jennifer I'll be Yale. honest, I, I just spent a good five seconds there racking my brain going, what the <laughs> hell was C? Jason Momoa, that one. Yeah, yeah, it came back to me. Yeah. So 
Yes. Uh, the series follows a desperate college student who signs up for a clinical trial that begins a wild, harrowing, mind and reality-bending adventure. Of course it does. That's a thriller. Yeah. So, honestly, the premise sounds fine. Uh, it does. And who knows, Jennifer Yale might have been like one of a room full of writers on C, not the showrunner, therefore she may be great. Not to blame. Yeah. yeah. She, she may be great, so. It's uh, bit more HBO Max originals to check out uh, that are probably going to be worth checking out, so. Uh, uh, yeah, unless like every HBO Max original we try up to this point is just terrible, and we're just like, no, we're done with them, we'll probably be checking this one out, I'm sure. I mean, the only one I've tried so far is Raised by Wolves, and while we didn't love it, I, I wouldn't say that put me off trying more. No, I mean, and I, I liked it a lot less than you, but also it's, it didn't sour me on HBO Max in, in any way. I it mean, would have that, to be, like, a continued streak of, like, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, like, every time. Yeah, but that budget and stuff that I had with another team of writers, I'd be well excited Very interested, for. yeah. yeah. Uh, sticking with HBO, though. Oh, this is not Max. This is just HBO vanilla. Uh, if you were hoping that George R. R. Martin's going to be continuing working on the next book uh, time soon, he's too busy. He's too busy developing a new sci-fi series for HBO. I'm shocked. <laughs> so uh yeah so he's working on an adaptation of Roadmarks from sci-fi novelist roger zelenzi uh or zelenzi yeah yeah zelenzi i put the vills around the way around uh and this is in development uh for hbo it comes from kalinda vasquez now admittedly it sounds like george r, r. martin isn't actually that involved he's just producing this so i mean as much as i crack jokes i think the thing is it wouldn't be that surprising because he did start off as a tv writer that's his mm-hmm his background um so maybe he had an itch yeah uh so yeah Kalinda Vasquez who's uh writing this writing the adaptation uh she worked on uh Star Trek Discovery so again mm, okay not the show on her though so maybe fine <laughs> yeah yeah maybe still fine. a point against though yes uh also uh, I realize I said she there because I'm just assuming Kalinda is a woman's name. I actually have no idea. So if that if I've misgendered Kalinda there, I apologize. I actually have no idea. It just it's, it sounds more feminine at glance to me, but I actually don't know. So, uh, but hey, the book was written in the late 1970s and published by Del Rey in 1979. It is about a highway that can travel through time, linking all timelines and places together for the very special people who discover it. Some might use it to explore the vast mysteries of the world, but for others, the road might be their only hope to survive, rewrite life-altering mistakes, and create a f- better future for themselves and the ones they love. So there's a time travel highway. That's the premise of this. I'll be honest, I'm mm. kind of intrigued. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound bad, actually. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. Okay. I'm just looking at uh, what else she's worked on. Is a she? Is a she, okay. Um, Going backwards, you know, uh, Star Trek, she did uh, one of the short treks, uh, Ask Not. I don't remember which one that was. Okay. A uh, couple episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, a couple episodes of Runaways. Um, this, is like, clo- that, this is clearly her big, like, she's in charge. Yeah, like, show, you know, so. she's done, like, you know, um, a good handful of episodes on things like uh, Nikita, Once Upon a Time. So she you know, worked in TV for... Aye. Uh, a, a good 10 or 15 years at this point, it looks like. Yeah, I've been working up the ranks, so uh, cool. Alright, next up, uh, moving to Netflix, although we're bringing with us uh, the, the two Jokers from uh, Game of Thrones here. 
just to connect mm. it to the HBO stuff. Uh, <laughs> D.B. Weiss and David Benoff, or whatever you say his name. Uh, so they've got a show in development at Netflix. Uh, they're producing The Overstory, a series of adaptation of Richard Power's acclaimed Pulitzer Prize winning novel. Hugh Jackman is going to serve as executive producer as well. So he's not starring. I mean, maybe he will later, but right now he's just producing. So uh, so this is the 12th story by the author, uh, this 12th book. The Overstory is a sweeping, impassioned work of activism and resistance that is also stunning evo- evo- oh, sorry. evocation. Evocation. Why am I struggling with this? Wait, say that sentence again. Is also a stunning evocation. Evocation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I got. I got the sentence now. Aye. Am I saying that right? Evocation. Evocation. Evoke. Evocation. Yeah. You evoke. It is a evocation. I guess that's right. It sounds weird though. I thought it sounds wrong. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> stunning evocation of the natural world. It tells the story of a world alongside ours that is vast, interconnected, resourceful, magnificently inventive, and almost invisible to us. A handful of disparate people learn how to see that world and are drawn into its unfolding catastrophe. I hate that it sounds interesting, because I don't trust those two to, to show run anything. Ah, so it's like a hidden dimension basically i feel like i feel like they worded that so over the top that i had to actually stop and think about what they were actually telling me yeah yeah there's, there's a whole other world yeah. that only some people can see all right but it, it, i don't know i feel like it was it was faffing about a bit too much Try to it definitely important. did yeah uh so that's the overstory uh out of this and the other one the the the, the roads the highway of time sounds more interesting to me out of like you know people finding a mysterious supernatural thing I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that is that. Uh, next up, Ruth Nega is going to star uh, on a, a limited series here. Uh, the story of Josephine Baker, one of the most influential female entertainers of the 20th century. Uh, the show is just going to be called Josephine. It is a limited drama in the works uh, at ABC Signature, but that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be on ABC. Or maybe it will, but this will be like a big thing they're going to promote. I don't know. But... Uh, if you sit there, uh, the ones doing it. So, yes. Uh, so it's written by Harris Lawrence and is going to be... Uh, here is it? So Josephine is a raw and unflinching look at the force of nature that was Josephine Baker, the biggest black female artist of her time. From international superstar and decorated World War II spy to civil rights activist and flawed mother, Josephine delves into the raw talent, sexual fluidity, struggles and bold life of an icon. Uh, she certainly sounds like she's got enough <laughs> of a life to make a story about from that list of things. Definitely, and um, <laughs> and, and it is nice to see uh, Ruth Negger taking some leading roles. I think she's very good. She is very good. Uh, she, she even just from her appearance on Agents of Shield, which was a relatively minor villain role, she's already showed some very chops. memorable. Yeah, yeah. So no, I've seen her in a, in a few things, and she's always been very good. Yeah, that, this is one of these things where you know, the, the, I'll, I'll read the description for a show, and I'll be like, yeah, we probably should know more about this person. Yeah, make a show so I, so it can tell me about yeah, her. I have to say, I've never heard of her before. I think I've heard the name, but I, I mean, I couldn't have told you, you know, who sure. she was. Yeah. Uh, the name sounds vaguely familiar, but yeah. But hey, you know. Um, so that's cool. So that is Josephine. Uh, next up, uh, we have... A Joe Hill uh, work again. Uh, Joe Hill book being ad- adapted. 
for mm-hmm. TV. Uh, Paramount TV Studios is developing a voluntary committal, a psychological supernatural thriller based on the novella by Lock and Key and Nosferatu author Joe Hill. Uh, it comes from Hill writer Brad Caleb Kane from Warrior. Uh, well, I don't we know if they mean... the first episode of Warrior. Yeah. Unless they mean the movie Warrior, which was also pretty good. But, I mean, I'm just speculating that... The... <laughs> it was the uh, Aronofsky one, right? No, Warrior. Warrior was oh, that? I'm thinking a wrestler. I'm yeah. Not... Warrior was uh, Tom Hardy and Nick Nolte was in it. It was a cage fighting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's probably a TV show, but I'm just pointing out that it could potentially be the movie. It could be. Because yeah. it's, it's not like it's from a different era. That was, you know, the, the last 10 years, is it? Right. Yeah. Could be either or. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so written by Kane, who I just mentioned there. Uh, based on the story from Hill's 20th Century Ghost Collection. Uh, it's an anthology book that he did. Uh, it's centered on Nolan Lerner and his quest to discover the truth about his autistic brother's disappearance and its potential connection to a dark secret from their past. The circumstances surrounding Nolan's investigation will begin to reveal that Nolan isn't the only person in town hiding a secret, and that there's a darker undercurrent to this town tracing back uh, to decades of missing persons. The series will concurrently tell the stories of Nolan's investigation as an adult, and that of his teenage years with his autistic brother, Morris, who had an extraordinary ability to build elaborate mazes large enough for people to walk into, although people didn't always walk out. The interweaving stories throughout the two timelines will constantly inform one another with the story of Nolan's past, eventually providing answers that will launch uh, the remainder, or sorry, the remainder of the series uh, set in the present. Mm. I'll say this, I think that description was thorough and told me how the show is going to tackle the story, because sometimes people sit and speculate, are they going to do multiple timelines, are they going to just do it in order, is, you know, is it going to be in sections? This was very clear and told us what, what it's going to do. It was, I've got a... A, a vague visualization of what the show will yes. be, which is nice because, like I say, sometimes we you know, we read these descriptions and be like, "I got, I got nothing. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be." Yes, it was it? a long paragraph, but it wasn't just fluff like one of those other ones I read a couple of stories ago. The, so, the Game of Thrones roots. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's obviously a little bit cliched. Like, I'm not actually sure I'm in love with all of it. I like Joe Hill's comics work quite a bit. Um, I feel bad I'm, for him because. I, I can just feel the the Stephen King comparison. Even in this story, mm-hmm. it it sounds remarkably like it, but take out the supernatural, you know, entity element of it. I, I, I was almost thinking The Shining as well with the maze thing. Sure, but I, I'm thinking you know the the uh, yeah. the two timelines, the adult and the child. You know, it's and and I almost wonder if that is they they know people are going to make these connections, and that's why they're telling us this much detail because I think part of the big failings of the the recent it movies were just splitting it up to be kids and then adults, whereas mm, yeah. the book is interwoven and it builds naturally to, you know, to the, the climax at both points. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that is part of why they told us. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat hopeful for it. I hope, I hope it works out. Uh, it kind of just depends on the, the, you know, the writers and creators who are actually making the show, uh, even if the source material is great. Because, you know, the lock and key pilot that we, we tried from Netflix, you know, we weren't super hot on. And I don't think that's mm. because Joe Hill's work doesn't appeal to him. It's because it just, you know, the adaptation didn't nail it. Yes, uh, exactly. So uh, hopefully this one works out. Uh, that is Voluntary Camille. 
It's a bit of a mouthful. It's a, it's a witty title, but it's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> yes. Uh, next up, uh, the best-selling memoir by Holly Madison, Down the Rabbit Hole, Curious Adventures and Cautionary Tales of a Former Playboy Bunny. Is in the works uh, for TV. Sony Pictures Television has optioned the book. And they've got Samara Weaving set to star as uh, Madison. So, big, big, yeah. uh, well, it's not a huge casting get, but it's, it's a big up-and-coming casting get. She's starting yeah. to really be noticeable. As I, say, I think to people who pay attention, she's well-liked. And uh, you, know, you, you can see the potential stardom. But I don't think she's at a point yet where it's you know, a big get from a from a casting agent's point of view. Yeah, horror fans know her quite well because she's a bit of a stream queen now. Between Babysitter and uh, uh, Ready or Not and whatever, she, she's just yeah. been noticeable in those circles. Uh, but she's been uh, casting this. So uh, Down the Rabbit Hole looks beyond the polished uh, facade. Or sorry, facade. People, so I know people get really annoyed when you say facade instead of facade. Uh, people really hate it. I think you called me up on it once when I did it. Like, just without even thinking, I just said it wrong. And I, I knew as soon as I did, I just powered I, through. Yeah, I know it's facade, but every so often I'll still slip and say facade. It, it's just when you're reading it and you, you don't really take in the word in advance. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's because it's not a million wheels away from the word fake, because, you know, facade is about, a, you know, the, the, the it's fake... It's a similar sort of meaning, yeah. yeah. So I, I think my head just naturally sometimes tries to make it go closer to fake, but yeah, facade. Mm. Uh, of the Playboy brand to the detective... To, to Sorry, to depict the visceral and often deeply damaging stories of the women who entered following a dream and found themselves manipulated, controlled, and abused by the machine. So, sounds like a cheery time this is going to be. <laughs> but, uh, potentially, I mean, if the, if this is going to be her chance to really show off her acting chops and really dig it's into some of this. That. Yeah. Might be, this might be what makes her more of a, a name to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, so this is Sony Pictures TV, which means it could end up anywhere, really. Whatever they want to yeah. make a deal with. So uh, so there you go. That is that. Uh, next up. I was picking up a cast. Benedict Cumberbatch. What's he in now? Or Brian Cabbage Patch, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, he is going to star in a new adaptation of the classic thriller... Uh, the the book the thirty nine steps most probably known for the classic Hitchcock adaptation, uh, from the uh the thirties or was it the forties you know but around then, <laughs> uh, but uh yeah most people know the thirty nine steps from that from that movie I would imagine, or at least did for a long time maybe now no one just knows what it is because that's such an old movie at this point <laughs> but it's possible yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a movie buff and as someone who seeks out classic films uh, that's where I know it from is the Hitchcock film. Uh, so, the series is cr- uh, created by the Revenant writer Mark L. Smith and directed by Edward Berger. Uh, so, or Berger, perhaps. Uh, but, yes, they actually teamed previously with Cumberbatch on Patrick Melrose, which I have to admit I didn't... Uh... I vaguely remember it happening, but I never watched it. Yeah. So... Yeah, 13 Steps is a provocative, action-packed conspiracy thriller series that updates the classic novel for our time. An ordinary man, Richard Haney, becomes an unwitting pawn in a vast global conspiracy to reset the world order. 13 Steps that will change the world as we know it, with only Haney standing in the way. Uh, 
I mean, that description on its own isn't super exciting. I mean, I liked the Hitchcock movie when I saw it. Admittedly, though, it does because the plot was particularly interesting because Hitchcock because can, it was a Hitchcock can direct yeah. the shit out of a movie is, is why it was good. So, uh, yeah. So, so, I mean, speaking of uh, like directors who are apparently a nightmare to work with, uh, Hitchcock, yeah. well, it goes on that list as well. Uh, but, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm super excited by this. I mean, the, the property of the 39 Steps. Right. It, um, I, I'm not familiar with the director either. Like, the writer, uh, I think you said, from The Revenant, and the, the writing is not the part of that movie that you really think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cumberbatch is solid. I'm sure he'll put in a decent performance regardless. Whether or not that's enough remains to be seen. Yeah. So that's The 39 Steps. Next up... Uh, Anna Friel is going to star in a TV adaptation of uh, Karen Hamilton's thriller The Perfect Girlfriend. Uh, Pulse Films are the ones who are putting this together. Um, no, like, you know, uh, network or wherever yet for this to go. But, yeah, so this is the description here of The Perfect Girlfriend. The darkness in her past doesn't matter because she's moved on beyond all that. And she's building a great new life for herself. One that will impress her ex-boyfriend, Nate, who left her... And a foolish moment of commitment phobia, one that he surely regrets now. But he'll be so proud of her once he sees how much she's grown. And he will see her. After all, he's a pilot at the very same airline where Juliet is training. What kind of man wouldn't appreciate the effort Juliet has taken to win Nate back? She cleans his apartment when he's not there and makes sure to leave all his favourite food in the fridge. It's only a matter of time before he leaves his airheaded new girlfriend and realises that Juliet is the only one for him. He will realise it. Juliet will make sure of it. After all, she is the perfect girlfriend. Do you know what? I'm going to give this a gold star. That is an excellent description because it tells it, me exactly the tone this wants to be. It started with me going, okay, this is just generic, whatever. And by the end, I'm like, oh, oh, I see what this is now. This, do you know what this, obviously, it's not in the first person, but this description was written as if the character herself dictated it to someone else to write down. Yeah. It gives you her headspace, and I don't know if quite the the humour ne- might necessarily be in the show, but if it is, I'll be far more interested in this, because I think that description was really good at giving me a vibe. Versus some of these descriptions that are so bland and generic, and you could have easily described this as a generic thing. I you could have. So easy. They, they did for the first half, but intentionally so, yes. I, I would say, by the end. I, I understand that, but at the time, I was like, okay, well... Yeah. exceptional description that is one of the best descriptions I've ever read on this we, we, we had some good useful descriptions this I know. week what's going on I know the other one was good because it was very informative and told us what we needed to know this one goes above and beyond by actually having almost a craft to it whereas there's almost a story being told to us in the in the paragraph so it kind I of applaud. reminds me of like uh, there are some like comics solicits mm. where They'll put, you know, the you know the, the writers doing the solicit will intentionally do it in, you know, not just the generic, okay, here's just the plot, you know, here's what the book is. They'll do it in a certain tone that is evocative of the book itself. And uh, do you know what else this did is impressive? Is that it ended with the title of the show, other than the book, The Perfect Girlfriend, but not in a way that made my eyes roll. They earned it. It actually felt like it had impact when they said it, it at it the end. It built to it and it was yeah. like, oh, okay, you, yeah, you got there. But whether or not the show will be good yeah. or not is, is irrelevant. I uh, hope it, it is. Still had a great description. Yeah, I hope it is because that was a good description. Maybe this is going to be like one of those things. You know how like um, the the trailers for Man of Steel were like fantastic and they were the best thing about that movie? 
Mm-hmm. Maybe this will be that. It'll be just this description will be the best thing this show ever does. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, next up, uh, CW has added pilot orders to Naomi, which Ava DuVernay is developing. Obviously, it's the DC character, the relative new DC character, uh, and they've also given a pilot order to the live action reboot uh of powerpuff girls as well as a millennial nun dramedy i will tell you what that is in a second oh <laughs> i'll cw i do love you although actually i just remembered this is something that i forgot to put in but i saw it during the week they've actually decided not to move forward with the uh the wonder girl show the yara floor one that's disappointing yeah i, I saw that i just popped it in my head when i saw well, the naomi thing it's disappointing in the sense that I would have liked it to exist to guarantee a platform so that she would become a popular character and we would guarantee more comics of her. Mm -hmm. But on the upside, now she won't have to be butchered by the CW. That is also true. So, (laughs) yes. uh... Wait, did they mention that in the title? But mention what? They didn't actually. There's actually another pilot order in here that did it even mention in the title? Uh, so, okay, so first up, they also ordered a reboot, a pilot for a reboot of the sci-fi drama The 4400, which they've ordered straight to series. So not a pilot order, I suppose. But, <laughs> yeah, you know I was going to say, that was a confusing sentence. Yes, straight, straight to series. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, I never saw 4400. I think I had like two seasons back in like the early 2000s. That sounds about right. Uh, and people did like it. In fact, people were mad that it didn't get an ending because it had like a big cliffhanger. And uh... you can be pretty sure CW will uh, have an ending. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll let it go for years. You'll be uh, sick of it by that point, but it'll let an ending. Yes, yes. Um, so Naomi's, of course, the DC Comics character. Small town discovers she's from another world. She has powers. Blah 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 blah. Uh, I'll just leave that there. Powerpuff Girls. I never watched this growing up. I was kind of either I was slightly too old or slightly not girly enough. I don't know what what it was, but I, I never saw it. I did. I watched it quite a bit. Uh, it was on. It was on Cartoon Network in the same block as just other mm. stuff I was watching. So it was just it was on, and uh, I remember enjoying it a lot. I remember being quite uh, good. Uh, really, um, oh. I'm weirdly interested just to see. What the hell CW do with Well, this? here's the description they've got here. I don't know if this is one they've specifically written for the new version or what, but uh, the series follows a trio who used to be America's... Oh, no, it is, because this is set when they're older. That's right. Yes. I, I'm, I'm remembering and, the premise they're, they're annoyed that their childhood yeah. was stolen. The series follows a trio who used to be America's paint-sized superheroes. Now they're disillusioned 20-somethings who resent having lost their childhood to crime fighting. Well, they agree to reunite now that the world needs them more than ever. So, seemingly, they're going to have to be... Powerpuff woman at some point because there's going to be a threat. But this is this is the the most quintessential CW show ever. Potentially, <laughs> uh, I'm definitely definitely morbidly curious to just check it out. Even though I'm sure we'll hate it, I just want to see it. And the other one that I know you're waiting for now. Uh, so they're piloting a dramedy about two millennial nuns, a devout true believer, and a new arrival who has yet to take her final vows. Uh, who start as strangers and become sisters on a funny spiritual journey to understand their own faith and place in the Catholic Church. Uh, I didn't actually sound that great, to be honest. Describing it as millennial nuns sounded funny. <laughs> it did. Um, maybe, the, maybe the trailer will be wacky enough that I'm like, yes. I've got to see it. Yes, apparently it used to be known as... 
<laughs> okay, I don't say F-bombs on this show. It is censored. It was, it would, it would, and this is probably why they've changed I, I, I'm it. I'm going to tell you, yes. Is the word habit in, in the title? No, 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 no. Uh, 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 cloister effed is what the title Oh, that's is. good. Yes. Anyway. That's uh, really good. They should stick with that. Written by Claire Rothrock. Does she, is she related to Cynthia Rothrock? I have to find this out. Is this is this a Rothrock, a long lost Rothrock sister? This oh, would be no. a very easy Google answer. Yes, I'm not going to though. Uh, <laughs> but yes. Who, uh, and also Ryan Weir, who wrote together a play called I Heard Sex Noises and a web series called Basic Witch. But this is their first TV show. I see what they're doing with the title of Basic Witch and, and I'm seeing the cloister eft uh, i'm seeing the i'm seeing the cha- the chain of okay these yes. same people going along those titles those previous titles maybe give me an idea of the comedy though a little bit better to go along with the, I, the premise which I, I will tell you now i like the potential of this show i i, I find the potential of it being funnier higher after you told me that that working title yes they're going to change it to something else though just so they don't have to censor it constantly yeah Probably. Well, I mean, almost certainly. Yeah. Uh, they could come up with something else, though. They could come up with something else with a pun. Yeah, but it's probably not going to be as good as that. Yeah. I don't know. Sister Act 2 Back in the Habit was a really good title at the time. So. No, I'll give you that. <laughs> so it could be done. Of all the things for you to defend. <laughs> so, Sister Act is so off-brand for you. And, you know, none, none r- rhymes with so many things. No, you know, there was a movie called Nuns in the Run. <laughs> nuns with guns? Nuns with guns, yeah. No, uh, nuns who are good with puns. Oh, oh we're I'll getting meta that. with it now. I'll, I'll watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch that. Nuns who are good with puns. Uh, yes, so... Do you know what? The- I'm more annoyed by Warrior Nun now for having such a bland title in, in what it did with its nun. Hmm. Yes. Uh, so, luckily, remember how I mentioned the 4400? I actually have an article just for it with a description, so I can tell you more about that now. <laughs> oh, that's convenient. I'd forgotten I had that. Uh, and the 4400, written by uh, Jackson, that'll be someone who was mentioned earlier on this article, <laughs> um, Ariana Jackson and Anna Frickle are co-executive producing, and then Jackson's also writing. Uh, the 4400, uh, 4400 overlooked, undervalued, and otherwise marginalized people who vanish without a trace over the last hundred years are all returned in an instant having not aged a day. This is actually... I, mean, I, never, I never watched the original, but it's just... I'm, I'm remembering the premise now. Is it, I'm I am as well. That. And I feel... Have we spoken about this recently? Because I'm getting, like, major deja vu of this conversation. Anyway, but they have no memory of what happened to them. They all appear at the same time, no memory, they've not aged. As the government races to analyse the potential threat and contain the story, the 4400 themselves must grapple with the fact that they've all been returned with a few upgrades and the increasing likelihood that they were all brought back now for a specific reason so it's kind of like a mystery box meets the x-men kind of thing yeah that sounds like a pretty good way of describing it admittedly cw limits the potential a little bit but i'd definitely be doing to try it and see what it is yeah this definitely sounds like a good fit for cw and i think that's something we we do have to talk as as much as we shit on Mm. cw and, and even cbs and a lot of the networks they're playing to their audience. Their audience likes the stuff that they're doing. Um, we don't, for the most part. But that's okay, I well, guess, because no, we're just not their audience in a lot of the cases. No, to be fair, with CW, though, it's frustrating because I think a lot of the content they have should be appealing to us. It's just the way they execute that content 
that mm. makes it unappealing to us. Because we should love all their superhero stuff, but that's, they just... That's true. Spe- you know? Speaking of their superhero stuff, I don't know if you've got it in there, because uh, um, the the little bit about uh, Stargirl. No, what about it? Well, I'll throw it in here now while we're talking about CW. Yeah. They have cast their Jay Garrick uh, for season two. I don't think I saw this, no. Uh, mm. It is John Wesley Ship. Ah. Yeah, that's ah, quite nice, that's... isn't it? Whether or not it'll be the same version that we are familiar with uh, from, from the Flash, but it's part, yeah. well, it, it could well be because that is part of their 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 shared universe anyway, which they established in the in the crisis. You know, the ending well, of that. More importantly, shared multiverse. Shared multiverse. That no, thank you for that very valid correction. Um, yes, uh, and and obviously now it's actually on CW uh, as its home, so it's it's definitely not unfeasible that this is the same version but even if not this is just a really nice casting it's, it's, a, it's a nice bit of news it's, it's nice yeah uh so let's move to cbs oh yeah the juicy stuff at the end uh they're doing a true lies tv show <laughs> why tv reboot gets a pilot order uh coming from matt nix mcgee and technically James Cameron, although I'm pretty sure it's because he has to be credited. <laughs> I think it's like a legal obligation. Yeah. Uh, not because he's actively doing much with it. Um, so, uh, I'm looking forward to reading the actual uh, premise here, but... Uh, what their take on it is. I'm quite fond of True Lies. It's definitely the lesser of Cameron's films, because it's just mm-hmm. kind of a fun romp. But it is a good fun romp. It's well made. Yeah. No getting around that. Uh, and if nothing else, maybe this will fail me when we get a HD version of it. If not 4K, but at least HD. Can we get a 1080p version of True Lies? Please. Does that not exist yet? No, that and The Abyss. For some reason, well, True Lies... I, I know The Abyss. True Lies and The Abyss, for some reason, are trapped in shitty DVD hell. And it's not even... And The Abyss isn't, isn't even anamorphic, so it's like really bad DVD hell. It, it The whole thing's I, a, a mess. Say, at, at least this is watchable, right? This is this is this is watchable standard definition. It's still anamorphic, so it's not as bad as the abyss. But... Whereas the abyss is like I I have literally never watched that because I do not want to see this version because I, I want to see it. Where's my remasters, Cameron? Get your get your finger out of your blue butt and give me my no, remasters. You know, you know, I hate to be cynical, but this is what's going to happen. He's going to die in the not too distant future. Let's be honest, because he's an older man, and he's not that old. <laughs> he's older. <laughs> he's still in his sixties. He, he lives an adventurous lifestyle. He's he, he's, he's, he's dropping dead. He's dropping dead in his early eighties. He's he's in his sixties. It's not that new future. Come on, he's like... dying in a submarine when he's eighty-three. <laughs> That's the way he wants to go. <laughs> he definitely does. But when that happens, studios with now access will like, well, let's cash in and let's do some re-releases. That's that's when you're gonna see them all. I, t- I mean, unless it happens before then, if I ever meet the man, I'll have one question for him. <laughs> It'll be where the hell's my 4K remaster of the Abyss? <laughs> Director's cut of that, might I add, not the theatrical cut. Uh, anyway. Naturally. Uh, so yes, here's the what's the there's the the TV version of Trilight. 
uh, Entralize, shocked to discover that her bland, unremarkable computer consultant husband is a skilled international spy, an unfulfilled suburban housewife is propelled into a life of danger and adventure when she is recruited to work alongside him to save the world as they try to revitalize their personal or their, their passionless marriage. I think what gets me about this is that it kind of sounds like it's going to get to that point by the end of the pilot. <laughs> and to me, the fun of True Lies is all the discovery along the way. So rushing yeah. rushing through her, realizing her husband's like a super spy. There's, and there's potential that there's a really good pilot. Potential. Because you've got all that stuff. And, you know, all that over 40-odd minutes is, is not terribly paced. I mean... It's it's just weird to me because it's like so much of it is about. I mean, if I, if I, if this was going to be a TV show or has to be a TV show, I would say the entire first season should be the like the end of episode one should be her catching the first hint of that he's doing something that's not his real job that well, she thinks he does. This is CBS, so it's going to get like at least six seasons. So maybe maybe they will. Maybe they'll just no, commit to it. That description to me says that by episode three, they want them just to be a couple who go on adventures. They want Mister and Missy Smith just called True Lies. That's essential. This is going to be uh, with maybe a little. Wasn't there, wasn't there Mr. and Mrs. Smith news? What did we talk about that last week? I don't know when we talked about that, but that's what they want. The only difference being is that there'll maybe a little bit of comedy. She's learning to do things for the first season, but that'll be gone by season two because there'll be a point where well, there's nothing left to joke about or doing for the first time. Mm. That'll be it. Uh, no one cares about Mr. and Mrs. Smith news. Don't look it up. No, I, I want to know if it was a TV show or not because this was this was interesting news. <laughs> But that, I don't know if it's a film or not. There's no such no, a... It, no, this, no is, this, is, this is interesting news that I guarantee you, you will be interested in. So, th- there is a, a reboot of Mr. and Mrs. Smith being made as a TV show on Amazon. Uh, and it is going to be uh, starring uh, Phoebe Wallerbridge and Donald Glover. Mm-hmm. Both of who are high-profile people. I don't, know, I don't know who she is. Who is she? Uh, Fleabag. Okay. Uh, you know, star of that. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah. No, this is, frankly, probably should have been in the headline section. <laughs> well, excuse me. I never saw it. Uh, and I love Dollar Glover. I do. But, I mean, maybe it'll be good. But Mr. and Missy Smith as a concept does not thrill me. I, I have a lot of faith in them as a team, um, especially if if either <clears throat> slash both of them are involved in the actual production and writing of it, because both of them are very talented in that regard as well. Uh, so I, I would really hope so. That, that that would make it actually very exciting. Okay, you're not interrupting the, the news document. I am, because you're you know, ignoring headline news. So... Remember how earlier on I said NCIS New Orleans was coming to an end? What have they replaced it with? NCIS Hawaii! <laughs> is... Oh, have they not done Hawaii yet? Is it the, the develop... You say that? There's only been three shows. There's a lot of cities and states they can possibly go to. There is, but... Do you know what the problem is? There are so many of these various shows that are all like basically the same show, right? Yes. That I forget which ones have done which places because they all just you're, become you're one thinking, big you're thinking, blob. You're thinking of Hawaii Five O, is I think what you're thinking of. No, I'm sure. Is there not a CSI Hawaii? No. One of so surely someone else has done a Hawaii one. 
CS, CS, CSI Miami's a thing, not Hawaii. Well, I, I know, I know that. There's, there's not a Hawaii one. There's nothing called something Hawaii. Although in Hawaii Five O, which is his own thing. Although they did, do a, there was a crossover between NCIS Los Angeles and Hawaii Five O, and I only know that because this article's telling me about it <laughs> at the start. <laughs> it's very nice of them. I really think that is important information for you. Uh, well, it's just to say that NCIS has somewhat interacted with with Hawaii in some capacity for an episode. Uh, but yes, it's coming from the... So basically, it's the New Orleans creators that are doing it. So it almost feels like they're just transitioning into another NCIS show. I wonder if there'll be any cast that, you know, maybe they want to move. Yeah, so... There you go. That's a new... <laughs> new NCIS. Uh, maybe this one will last more than seven or eight seasons. As if that's not already a lot of seasons. Yes. Well, it's competing with what, like fifteen and twelve or something like that from the other two. I think NCI. I think the core ones on it's like seventeenth now. Oh, there you go. So, so it's it's up there for sure. Uh, but yeah, CBS keep pumping these things out. And once upon a time, um, what I don't remember everything I dare do or say on this show, but. I do vaguely remember that when FBI spin-off, FBI Most Wanted was a thing, and I remember making you guess what the title of an FBI spin-off would be. Yes. Right. So if FBI were going to have a second spin-off... <laughs> <laughs> There's another one. This is also CBS. CBS ha- are going to have three NCIS shows and three FBI shows at the same time. You probably won't get this one. It's not as it's not like a oh, common it's, it's phrase. It's not as obvious. Okay. But- but it's just, it's just funny to me that there's not going to be a third FBI show, which is apparently doing well. Uh, so, yeah, this is FBI International. Working title. <laughs> but, Definitely the final g- title. Yeah, g- given their history with working titles, like SEAL Team. What are they going to call this? Oh, it's called SEAL Team. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not, they're not very inventive. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would focus on also, the... F- isn't isn't oh. FBI International just Interpol? It will focus on FBI's international operations. The project, which is still in deal-making stages, has been written by one of the top showrunners of the Wolf Universe. <laughs> That's Dick Wolf, who's behind all these FBI shows. Uh, Derek Haas, uh, who is expected to serve as showrunner. Uh, C- CBS declined to comment. Do you know what? I'm, I'm very... <laughs> confused and and maybe this is a, a lack of reading on my part uh-huh. but my vague comprehension was that the the FBI was domestic only and then you have the CIA for international or is it the, the other? yeah yes yeah uh well CIA is more like CIA obviously was created during the Cold War, and it's a, a lot more about foreign interests and stuff like that. But it's yes, uh, FBI. They're not, they're not allowed to have yeah. domestic. I imagine international FBI operations is more about manhunting individuals and things that aren't, you know, more FBI esque. I mean, I so, don't know. So Interpol. <laughs> I mean, probably, it, yeah. yeah. I, what, what do you What do you want from me? I don't. I don't know. I don't didn't I, make this up. I well, don't rate the I, show. I, I'm not really expecting answers from you. I'm expecting answers from the universe. I just want something to just just pop up and answer my questions. That just just make make these CBS nonsense shows make sense to me. That's probably too much to ask for 
mm. anything on earth. Join us next week when hopefully Connor's falling down some stairs and paralyzed his dick. <laughs> Do you know what? I am so glad you hadn't seen that story and I, <laughs> we got your genuine reaction to that because I, I was sure you'd seen that. <clears throat> I, 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 I really was. <laughs> no. Uh, there you go. That's, uh, that is the news for, for the week. Uh, so yes. And all kidding aside, I'm sorry I missed the Mr. and Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Smith story. No, I must pause to you. I'm pausing to the audience. I don't give a shit what you think. Yeah, I know you don't. Apologies to the audience. <laughs> You'll do better next week for that over, for that oversight. Uh, there you go. That's the uh, that's the news of the week. The last two weeks, really. Uh, so let us know what you think of any of these these news items in the comments below. Feel free. Uh, you can do that. Uh, we mentioned Patreon earlier, mentioned like and subscribing, all these things are still important. Uh, get us on the Twitters at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. And if you didn't check it out, uh, we did do a vote to celebrate hitting 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, we had a vote where everyone uh, submitted their top 20 or more TV shows of all time. There was a top 50 results countdown in two parts. Uh, the, the second part uh, was last Sunday. So both halves of that are up now to go watch if you want to check that out. So... Uh, we'll have, go have a look. Um, we are planning more countdowns and more voting of, of that kind for different things. Uh, probably a lot of movie-related stuff uh, and every so often on the channel. So uh, go and uh, have a look. But uh, yeah. that is that. It's, as far as stuff coming up, um, there's not a lot of new TV in the next week or so. We are I trying... there's the Superman and Lois pilot this week, right? We have Superman and Lois. Uh, we are also doing the first episode of 30 Coins, which is not brand new. Uh, but it won our Patreon vote for, uh, uh, the, we call it the pilot program. We check out a pilot that was the one of vote. Uh, and that's going to be coming up this next week as well. So uh, that's there. And I'm still doing one division. Uh, that's still coming out every week. So uh, that's that's what's going on TV review-wise right now. But uh, there you go. That's the show. That's the Almost Cancer TV News. Thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla?